John, I've heard it's more edgy to just start your podcast and not have music. No, fuck edgy. Let's dance. Okay, John, did you enjoy your boogie? My what? <laughs> your boogie. What is a boogie? It's the way, it's the nineteen seventies term for dancing in disco music. <laughs> it's boogie. It's boogie. Boog, boogie. It's like it's disgusting. Yeah. Well, okay. It's a double up word for dancing and put stuff in your nose. But you know, convenience. That's that's a booger. No, no, no. You put the stuff together, John. I'm into this compact, you know, minimalistic language stuff. Doesn't it, why can't you talk right? I mean, honestly, why can't I? Why can't I talk proper like what you does? You mean <laughs> exactly? Isn't it kind of embarrassing? I guess you know. I, I I managed over Christmas to get to get back to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So I got some South in me. Had some biscuits and some grits, and it was real good. And gravy and gravy as well. Ah, uh, no, I don't do gravy. You don't. You don't, you don't do gravy with your biscuits. You're not a real Southerner, are you? There we are. Do you remember um, Ennis Conference Atlanta in, in the, um, oh, what was it called next door to the hotel? The, oh, like the Silver, the silver skillet, skillet Diner for breakfast every day. I think I I think I consumed more fat and calories in that week than I did in the previous two years. Mm. There we are. Anyway, Happy New Year to you, John. Happy New Year to you and Happy New Year to all the listeners. Yeah, this is the iDeveloper Podcast, episode 101. Um, if case, case you didn't know by now, if you didn't know what you were listening to, you probably gave up ten minutes ago. You're like what? Really? What, what sad part of the internet did I stumble upon? <laughs> okay, believe it or not, we are a developer podcast or developer interest subjects, mainly around Mac and iOS. Um, so we're going to start with something for the new year that's probably got nothing to do with that. John, what you what do you want to talk about first in this uh this brand new year? Oh of no, ours? no, no, oh Scotty, no, no, no. This has everything to do with this. Is, I wanted to talk uh, about the Everpix shutdown because they release a, a, an absolute treasure trove of data about uh, their company and their, their how they shut it down gracefully and, and all their research they did. So I think, you know, for those who aren't familiar, Everpix was a, a much-loved, um, though not terribly commercially successful, not, com- not, not, not completely self-sustaining photo organization and sharing site. It was essentially started by these three very, very clever people who had worked at Apple and, and Cool Iris, so absolutely top-notch engineering and, and, and design talent and, and, and mark- marketing and biz dev. And they basically set out to try and solve the problem of everybody's photos being everywhere. So it's not like they, they, they set about solving a small problem. And uh, they'd received some some angel funding from none other than Bertrand Sarlet, the French guy who was the head of, of uh, engineering at Apple before he left. And uh, those of us, uh, you know, those of you that, that uh, you know, uh, read Daring Fireball, you might have noticed that, that, that he was a big fan of theirs and, and they'd sponsored uh, uh, daring fireball thing, so that they, you know, basically anybody who likes photography and, and and has lots of photos would would really like the service. And it it it's interesting to look at just because we've talked a lot about how do you possibly make money and how do you possibly launch a product and and, and a sustainable company. And I think that the general opinion of this thing was like, wow, if they couldn't do it, who could possibly do it? And so there there was a you know a, a pretty long uh, detailed article about how you know the problems they'd faced in 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 trying to raise another round of, of financing and they were weren't able to do it even though they'd had something like 
you know, 50,000, you know, signed up users uh, uh, that were paying money and that they were, they were making enough money to pay their fixed costs for running the service, you know, and, and, you know, maybe not enough to make salaries yet, but they were definitely absolutely going in the right direction. They had tremendous critical acclaim and nobody would touch them. And, and, and what's, what I think very, very interesting about this is that as indies, I think a lot of people kind of slog through it and they say, wow, it'd be so much easier if I could just raise money. I could have some money. I wouldn't have to beg, borrow, and steal time from, you know, the graphic designer guy I know who's who's trying to do work for everybody or to, to have enough money to, to pay for this, that, and the other service. If only I could just raise money. It can't be that hard. And, you know, if you've ever tried to raise money or work with somebody is who has, it, it's very, very difficult. And you just, you receive incredible levels of no that just are mind-boggling. They make no sense. You'll, and, and what's interesting about this is that they, 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 they bared it all. They basically up on their, their GitHub account, and, and the, the link will be in the show notes, they listed everything from their original pitch deck, which is very nice, and uh, their uh, all the, the reasons that they'd be given for the various VCs about, hey, we love it, we think it's great, we're happy that you're getting traction, I just don't see a billion-dollar business here. <laughs> and it, it's amazing. I don't know, had you heard of Everpix or you ever tried it? Okay, I had heard of them. Um, I hadn't tried them. In fact, I heard a lot about them because I know um, a whole bunch of geeky people like ourselves, like Gruber, and um, I know mm-hmm. that John Saracusa, um, spoke about this a lot back in it was late November, early November when they began to close down, yeah. wasn't it? Um, yeah. Well. And to me, John, this is this is the uh, this is sort of like a justification to some of my thinking, um, which is why I'm quite happy to talk about it. Really, uh, they have fifty thousand sign up users, but only seven thousand subscribers. So I think that means that seven thousand people were paying them, and fifty thousand mm-hmm. people in total were there. So that means forty three thousand people were using the free. Um, yeah accounts now you know these guys are storing photos and if i remember rightly i haven't read all this stuff because we only just like you only just give me the link just now but you know they're using s3 for storage you know and their storage Uh bill was huge every month for for s3 um as it would be for 400 million photos or whatever on there but they had to make a choice do we go for the big vc model um or do we do we go for a maybe a more uh conservative um business model um you see because my very limited understanding of this is is when you go for vc money it's all about users it's basically all about users which is you know so going for fifty thousand users which apparently according to this wasn't enough you know 50 50, wasn't enough for them to get funding but the cost of supporting fifty thousand free users with photo storage was enormous um and I'm just wondering, and, and I haven't come to this, if they'd just had the 7,000 paying users, would they have been a profitable company? Or if they just spent you know, the next five years growing to 50,000 paying customers, would they have been a profitable company? And, and, and I think um, sometimes just bringing it to, to people like us, um, you know, we, we hear about the Twitters and uh, and the Facebooks and everything, and, and we think we, you know, we're trying to play the same game and, you know, we bring our apps out for free or the freemium, we're going to have free accounts and then, you, you know, some people can upgrade to the, the, the other one and pay us $10 or whatever. You know, and it's, it, again, it shows 50000 wasn't enough. Is is this a even sensible business model for someone like me or you or, or, or you know, someone with like millions of dollars behind them to even think about? Yeah, I mean it's 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 interesting thing. I mean it's like 
yes, they had they fifty thousand photos is a lot, and their their bills were enormous. But act that that's the thing; they actually gave out their bills. It, it isn't isn't enormous. I mean, the the thing that was surprising is that if you look at a percentage, seven thousand people out of fifty thousand trying it. Um, that's that's way above average for for people actually paying for a service and and yes you do have a, a fair amount of, of cost for it and photos are special just because they take up so much space versus whatever uh, 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 something that's just mostly metadata but it, it's it, it's kind of funny the psychology of it because unless it unless it kind of is set out to go big nobody's going to be excited about it it has to be big in 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 two ways it has to be big in that okay we're going to do everything every photo that you possibly have here's the software the uploader for for mac and for for, for windows and and the iphone and, and ipad app and and also the kind of import things for for all the popular photo services so the first thing we're doing is suck out every photo that you care about and we're going to deduplicate de them and there we're going to find them we're going to make them visible to you so it, it, it's a very attractive kind of big thing and then but the other thing too is that if they say okay we're going to make it available for everybody to just to try the thing I, I i it's hard for me to imagine that they could get any attention if they just said we're going to make this great service trust us you know and you're going to you know give us money so you can start it i mean it's, it's a kind of a tricky thing because you you come out with a product that if if you have to pay the, the full sustainable price for each customer in the beginning it's really hard to see how you get people in there plus the the other thing too is is that it, it in this particular case it only possible works you can only kind of really see what it's like just to have this problem solved for you if you actually try take them up on it, which therefore means you're going to become an expensive customer, and 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 it's hard to see how you can get people to 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 use a service like this without trying it. It's it's what what's surprising to me is is, is I guess they must have thought it's like wow with their all star team and all the critical acclaim they got and the fact that they got their original money that they didn't imagine that people wouldn't step up to the plate. I mean they they, they tried everything because it wasn't like they were trying to say look we need more money for our. Our, our, you know, to have our private jet. They were just literally saying, "We love this so much. We're, we'll forward stall, you know, salary or any kind of return. We just want to find a way to keep it going." And and this this brings up an interesting point, which I think the industry needs to think about is that that by now with with all the kind of rise and fall of free services that die and taking data with it, and with all the the kind of brouhaha about the NSA going through every last bit of your data, I'm wondering if that by now. There's a, a critical consumer mass consciousness that that if you care about your digital life, there has to be a utility grade service that you actually pay for. You know what you're getting, so that if a developer like Everpix wants to solve this type of thing, they can do it in such a way that they say, "Come join Everpix service. Allow us to plug our software or to plug your data into our service because." You know, you're on the internet. All your photos really do need to be somewhere, and I, I, I would have to hope that one day such a thing may be possible. Anyway, that's the end of my speech on that. Yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, I think it's really sad that they, they've, they've failed, um, because it's, it was a great service. Um, I think just to pick up on some of the stuff you've said, there's a difference between, and I don't know where the line is, especially with something like a photo sharing service. Um, maybe it's more clear with some other apps. There is a difference between being free to try and mm -hmm. making sure that the trial is long enough, big enough, good enough um, that people get an idea. Now, I know that's still going to be difficult, and then they're just being free. So I think they just had a free account and then some, you know, um, 
extra features if you subscribed or whatever else. So, I mean, immediately as soon as you have a free account, I mean, I've done some SaaS model studies over the past year because I've been looking at some SaaS, SaaS apps, possibly developing one. Um, and, you know, almost every small SaaS developer who's sort of in the sort of indie startup world of, you know, talking about this stuff says, you know, free will kill you. Yeah, go for it. You have to go for a slow um, financed growth. That doesn't mean free trial. That just means free accounts will, will eventually yeah. kill you because you will, the support is always higher from the free accounts. The cost of running them, obviously, proportionally is higher. Um, and I think unless, you know, the only way people can do free is with VC funding. That's the only yeah. way. And this is just proven. Unless you get hundreds of thousands of users, the VCs aren't even interested. Yeah. Yeah, and and I guess the last thing too about it, it, that what makes this a challenge is that the the initial cost of S three is is it's the bandwidth to get it in there. Once it's on disk somewhere, that it's it's fairly reasonable. I mean, it's the network, and unfortunately, that there's there's no way of absorbing it. It kind of brings it back to to something that just still makes me sad about Apple when they 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 canned you know all the dot max services. It was always my fond hope that they would say if you're an Apple user. Here you own your space for all your stuff, and hello, developers. You can you can with your with our users, you know, our mutual users' permission, you can grant access to this stuff wherever it goes. Maybe one day they'll do it. Anyway, enough about Effrbix, I guess. But 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 have a look through it. Look at the pitch deck. One last thing. I'm sorry. It's like even if you never think that you're going to go, uh, you know ask for for vc money there is an incredible value to to learning how to distill your message incredibly crisply and and i think their pitch deck is, is is really quite good doing all the things you're supposed to do kind of combining it with with demonstrable facts about market problem and market size with with very crisp what is it that you're doing that that's different from other things it's, it's all very well done yeah i think it's definitely worth uh people going to take a look just spend you know grab a cup of coffee spend 20 minutes going through um, some of the stuff there, and uh, yeah, there's. I think there's something well worth being looked at by everyone. Okay, before we go further, John, we've got a new sponsor for this first episode of the year. Um, All right, our, our sponsor is Briefs. Now, I've been sat here this afternoon trying to sort of work out, you know, what can I say about Briefs in thirty seconds or, or one minute that really, you know, tells the story. Um, and this is they're more know, comfortable than boxers thing to say or a funny thing to say because that's what brief is designed to do it's designed for you to tell your app's story um, basically it's it's a Mac app that allows you to mock up iPhone and iPad apps um, in a in, in a way not just with um, pretty drawings but in a way where you can make screens interact you can make you know buttons push and it go through to the next screen or backs and forwards and uh, all this sort of thing so your designer can get a hold of it and, and and basically stick together a workflow mock-up of your application which can then actually be deployed to the phone um, or the iPad itself so you can then put it in a potential client's hand or user's hand and say is this the sort of thing you were talking about and it gets you through this whole um, interaction part of the, the design as well as just what it looks like with your customer quite quickly as opposed to I mean I don't know if you've been in a position John where you've had something that's been looked really great when it's been Photoshop and you've showed the customer or you or you've showed your boss and then when it comes to actually you know how it feels on the device it just doesn't feel right yeah yeah well this this sort of is designed to to help you stop doing that and to really just break down that whole process and get things right first time which is developers is is a lot better um, now that's a really not a great explanation of you know the best explanation of it so um go to giveabrief.com 
and uh, there's a couple of videos on there there's the whole um, announcement video which tells you why you might want it there's a video demonstrating it it's got a comprehensive website um, telling you all about it uh, this is from the guys at Martian Craft um, great bunch of engineers we've had um, several of them on as guests in, in the past um, so this is a well crafted uh, piece of work and is, I like this, so people won't, but I like this. They charge a decent price for a proper tool. It's $199. Now, I'm just going to give you a moment to get up because aren't all apps supposed to be 99 cents or free? No, you're a professional. You're charging a fortune for your work. Why shouldn't people produce proper, good quality software at a proper price? They've done that. They're sticking to their guns, and I'm going to say well done. So, totally agree. go check out giveabrief.com. Right, John, um, I made a New Year's resolution, sort of, um, and I'm just interested to know where you are on this, because I'm actually interested in sort of doing a developer survey. I've been a software developer for 25, 26 years now, um, and in that time, the, the, the method of, of producing code has been exactly the same. It's been a keyboard, um, and yet after 25 years, you know, I still can't touch type. I'm still a, a three or four finger keyboard stabber. Um, and I don't know how many um, developers fall in, <laughs> into that uh, in, in, into that category. And, and so I've sort of made it one of my, my goals for 2014 is to just learn to properly touch type. Because um, I think it'll be, I'll be a faster typist, it'll be, be easier to do things, the results will be better. Um, oh, it's very slow at the moment. I've been doing it for about a week, and it's like <laughs> very, very slow. But um, yeah, I used to I used to joke all the time when someone says, "Do you touch type?" And I said, "Well, I've not found a way of doing it without touching the keyboard yet." Um, but uh, do you touch type, or are you a, are you are you a keyboard murdering stabber like me, John? No, I, I learned to touch type. I, I that that kind of giggling you hear on the background was me laughing at you because, but I mean it's very sweet that you're able to make this admission on on air. But I, you're not the only person I've seen. I remember uh, one of the first software engineers I ever worked closely with. Um, he was a stabber, my God, and the, and the keyboard just was was worn. I mean, I would love to have like you know super high speed photography to then be able to see it in slow motion and be like you know watching milk drops explode as he he's hitting the the keyboard. Um, it's funny you should bring that up because uh, I was was looking around recently for for software to to teach you how to do that because now my son is is old enough that he's uh, going to Coder Dojo and 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 needing to type and it's kind of painful to watch that that you know. To, to watch him look for for the keys, I I I I kind of learned how to type when I was in college because there was only one year when I was in college where I you could turn in hand and paper you know where where basically my handwriting was never good enough that I could you know with a straight face hand in a, a college paper with it so I'd handwrite them and then I used to pay people to type it and then I I decided that I wasn't going to support other people's uh, bar bill um, and so I, but I ended up getting a book. And then I remember kind of looking around and years later, there was something like what Mavis Beacons typing or something like that. There was, you know, you know how there's like Norton security. There was, there was some name. I think it was Mavis Beacon. Yeah, it was, was Mavis Beacon. I'm not sure. Was Mavis Beacon ever on the, on the Mac? I know it was, was a big windows thing. Yeah, it, it was. And I remember seeing that. And then, so I was looking around for it and so I couldn't find anything. So I said, okay, well, there's gotta be web software for this. And, and I was looking while looking for it and trying it, I kind of foolishly signed up for a kind of, yes, you have the software and it looked pretty good, but in order to get, 
get access to it, you had to, you know, give your, your identity. And I, I, for, I, I partially gave my, my kind of typical bogus activity. And I see like, absolutely, like, you know, 50 emails a day saying, come try this, come try this game, come do this. So he, this is a case where you find a, a typing tutor software out there that you, you know, that is not adware supported. And please tell us because kids need, need to learn how to type. And, and even if you're, you know, a 75 year old kid, you need to know how to type if you're going to code. Okay. Well, I got, she got one off the, um, the app store. Um, it's, it's just uh -huh. called typist. It's, it's free. Um, uh, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It doesn't look very pretty, um, I think is reasonably fair to say. Um, but really it is a, it's just a tutorial app that tells you which fingers to put where and it takes you through gradually adding letters and keys as you do exercises and you have to type them and if you get it wrong it makes you do it again. Um, mm -hmm. And so, it, it, it does the job. Um, so thank you very much to whoever developed. I really should have looked it up, shouldn't I? Uh, typist and, and put it out there for free. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's free. If it wasn't, it was you know ninety nine cents or something ridiculous. I'm pretty sure it's free, and we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but I also had to get a new keyboard because my wife stole my keyboard because um, she suddenly decided she wanted to. I've moved into a home office over the break, John. I've, I've given up my sort of office in town and. Um, gone to a room that uh, I've converted at the back of my garage and um, it has all sorts of problems like tonight you know my headphones have gone missing because the kids can now steal them um, so my mm. wife's decided that all the shiny stuff I've moved into the office she'd quite like some of it uh, so I thought well I'll give you that keyboard it's an excuse to buy another one and I decided to, I did a bit of keyboard research and that's because I wanted to learn stuff I bought one of these ergonomic keyboards where it forces you to have your hands on separate side of the keyboards uh, mm -hmm. with the split in and, and it's very strange but it, I have to say as learning to um, you know, to type it, it, it forces me because I was I'm, I'm a yeah anyone who teaches typing when it, I mean, I'm a sort of quite fast when I type as a stabber but I'm sort of crossing hands even sometimes it's like you know when you're playing a duet on the piano and you have to cross hands over um, which obviously is bad so this sort of forces me out there um, but actually oh Boy, does it! Do I suddenly realise how uncomfortable the Apple keyboards are compared to a um, a nice keyboard with some, you know, a nice uh, sort of a spongy rest on it? Not not a huge one that mm -hmm. forces your wrist up, and the keys have got proper movement. And it's um, it's a, I hate to say it, but I bought a Microsoft keyboard. That's okay. I have a Microsoft mouse. <laughs> oh, this keyboard came with a mouse, and that's an abomination. Um, yeah. it, it's like a great big lump of turd with a button on but um, <laughs> um but this keyboard came out and and what i also liked because i love i don't know about you i like numeric key keypads on um keyboards but of course once you go to a trackpad or a mouse the big keyboard forces um you know your mouse to be too far out to be comfortable so this keyboard came with um it came with the mouse it came with the keyboard, and it came with a separate numeric keypad so i can have my keyboard then my mouse or my trackpad um, which is another story, and uh, then the numeric keypad for when I'm sort of doing calculations and whatever. And I'm actually for the price as well, which was really not that expensive, um, well under a hundred dollars. Um, it's it's really good. Well, Scotty, I'm so happy that that you are joining the nineteenth uh, century. <laughs> it's, I'm uh, I'm sometimes on um, campfire or in um, jabber or something talking to work colleagues and. Uh, uh, suddenly my, my my 
responses take a long time and you know i get a response by like you're touch typing again aren't you <laughs> and in three minutes later it goes yes <laughs> and i have to say i i'm now using um i started out at the beginning of the week or end of last week whenever it was insisting i was going to just do everything touch typing but actually i would get fired for most of the work i've got to do um so I'm, i've i've decided to take portions of the day and say this for this next hour this next hour and a half i am just going to do it and uh, each week I'll uh, make that portion of the day a bit longer and a bit longer and a bit longer uh, until hopefully, you know, sometime during the year, I'll just be, okay, now, now, now doing this. Um, but no, I'm just interested to know, um, you know, post notes on the, on the show notes or send me a tweet or an email. I'm just interested to know how many, how many developers, um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, John, I'm going to set up a survey monkey survey. I will set up an account. So I think they do free account with, um, you know, because they've got VC funding, and um, <laughs> and uh, I'm going to set up a, a survey monkey survey on how many developers touch type, um, and uh, and just see. I, I suspect it's it's probably a decent percentage, and there's just only a few morons left me in the wood. Um, and if you fall into that category like me, then I'm sorry, I just called you a moron. <laughs> I could have just offended eighty percent of the developer community, for all I know. But we're on this subject, John. I know this isn't. Uh, but this is developery. Um, are you a mouse or a trackpad man? I don't like trackpads. I I find it very comfortable, uncomfortable to to do the pinch. You know, if I, I and so yeah, I, I happily use a mouse. Plus, I got a great mouse rug. I got this fantastic, fantastic Turkish rug style uh, mouse rug, mouse pad, um, and uh, I get more attention from that from than from anything else. When I go to set up for a presentation, it's like, ah, killer mouse pad. How did you get that? And then, you know, what were you going to talk about? Yeah, it's, I've seen your uh, your mouse rug, as we're going to call it. Um, yeah, it's like being in a Turkish bazaar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I've been using a trackpad for the last, ooh, I don't know, 18 months. How long ago? I mean, pretty soon after they came out. Not that long after they came out. Maybe a bit longer. Um, I'm pretty convinced the one I've got is faulty. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never changed it. Mainly, is it disconnects quite regularly, as opposed to it doesn't do anything else. Um, but yeah, you know, my wife said, "Oh, I need a mouse because I'm going to use a keyboard, and I put her a screen on the desk in the office." Um, she says, "Oh, I'm going to need a mouse," so I bought her a magic mouse. And um, you know, she says, "Oh, I can't use a mouse because I'm now been so used to the trackpad." She's got a MacBook, and so she's used to the, the trackpad. So I gave her my trackpad. So the last week, I've gone back to the magic mouse and. Um, I actually think I'm a bit more efficient with it, even though I've been using a trackpad for um, uh, for yeah, maybe getting on for two years. I actually find that um, I'm I'm maybe a little bit faster with the mouse. Although obviously, if it was just uh, well, I did try this Microsoft Abomination for you know a couple of days, uh, but of course there's no um, gestures on it, so that was rubbish. Whereas at least on the um, the magic mouse it's got the gestures so all the things like the scrolling and the pinching and everything like in the swiping i can still sort of do on the mouse so it's maybe best of both worlds um but again i'm going to put that in the survey so i'm going to do a, a new year survey of um who uses uh, who can touch type who uses a um, ergonomic keyboard versus a normal keyboard and who uses a mouse versus a trackpad because then we will be knowledgeable developers yes we will and we can laugh at people as needed do you have anything else for us to talk about uh, in, in no, this I think new we year? End on, on, we should end on a happy note saying that we're going to take a survey and then laugh at the results. We will do. Well, I'm hoping next week to... Um, I was hoping to do it this week and then decided um, I, it was probably just... Uh, it means I'd have to edit slowly. Uh, product announcement next week, John. Tell you all about something I'm about to release. 
<gasps> I can't wait to hear about it. Oh, well, that will give me a reason to... You, you can, to, really. To... <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, tell people where they can find you. You can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. And you can follow me on Twitter as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And you can find out about Findry, what I've been working on for just over a year now at findry.com. My name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. On ADN is Scotty, although I must admit I keep forgetting to check ADN. Um, you can check out our show notes at ideveloper.co on the interwebs. Um, my personal blog is at wafflewithmeaning.com. I think that's about the extent of who I am. Um, thank you very much for the guys at Martian Craft for uh, sponsoring this show with their product briefs. Tell your story with briefs. Go check it out at giveabrief.com. That link will be in the show notes as well. Thank you very much for listening. Happy New Year, everyone. And until next time, you all take care. Thank you.